Listener supported. WNYC Studios. I'm Carrie Nolan. It's Monday, May 7th, and time for WQXR's Washington Report Online. Joining us now, as he does every Monday, is David Sanger, Chief Washington Correspondent for The New York Times. Good morning, David. Morning, Carrie. David, yesterday the French and the Greeks in separate elections rejected governments that were preaching austerity. So let's start with France. What is the election of François Hollande as the first socialist president in 17 years? Say about the mood of the French people. Well, Carrie, Mr. Hollande's uh, election, I think, marks a, a very large turn. Uh, first, it's a rejection of President Sarkozy, who was an unusual president of France. I mean, there was uh, the, the superficial stuff, the degree to which uh, he was combative and that uh, he was temperamental. Uh, there was the ceremonial stuff, including uh, his decision uh, during his presidency to, to marry a, a celebrity supermodel. But most importantly, I think, was his decision to uh, work so closely with the Chancellor of Germany, Chancellor Angela Merkel, uh, who, uh, together with Sarkozy, put together this uh, package of austerity. And, in fact, you saw that Hollande won by making the claim that austerity need not be Europe's fate. That was his uh, clear declaration. And I think that his presidency is going to ride to a great degree uh, on how well he can work with uh, Chancellor Merkel uh, at a moment that she's got her own domestic politics to deal with in Germany as well. And so uh, you are now going to see an, an effort by the French to try to turn around Europe's approach to its financial crisis, to uh, try to uh, impose not only caps on how much debt countries can have, but also move towards some pro-growth uh, policies. And I think that's going to set up a, a pretty big uh, set of strains between France and Germany. Greece rejected all the mainstream parties that had supported the terms of its IMF deal, as well as the country's agreement to implement austerity measures. Can you manage Greece with two fringe parties? Carrie, I don't see quite uh, how you do it, because what happened here was the first parliamentary election since that foreign loan agreement uh, that the uh, Greek government reached. And what happened was that everybody who was involved in the agreement basically got creamed at the polls. And that meant that there were two fringe parties that rose, one on the far left and then one on sort of the neo-Nazi right. And what brought them together was an argument against the austerity issues. So if they went as far as rejecting this entire um, uh, agreement, then I think you could see uh, the IMF, uh, the rest of Europe, basically try to cut Greece free and cut them free of, of the euro. And that would lead to exactly the kind of division within Europe that everybody's been trying to avoid. Now, no one knows how this is going to go uh, turn out, but uh, it indicates that the economic issues have led to really great social turmoil. And the Golden Dawn Party, uh, which is the right-wing party that, that rose uh, here, they pulled in about a little under 7% of the vote compared to, to 1% two years ago, they actually perform Nazi salutes at rallies. Now, they're not taking over the country. 7% is not a majority. But it does indicate to you what happens when these economic factors really fester in an election. Here at home, we saw some disappointing job creation numbers last week. 
How worried is President Obama's staff, particularly his uh, political team? Uh, they've got to be quite concerned because their uh, their hopes turned very much, Kerry, on the thought that uh, job growth would continue uh, to be strong and get stronger as the election went on because they realized that it's not enough to win an election simply on the argument of it could have been worse. And so they're faced now with trying to put together an economic narrative uh, that comes at a moment that there's some evidence of that the recovery is, if not faltering, then at least sputtering. There's been none of the strength uh, that they were betting on. And you see a little bit of this in the polls. There was a poll that came out uh, just this morning that uh, Politico uh, uh, ran uh, that showed that among independent voters, who of course are among the most crucial uh, that you see Mitt Romney about 10 points ahead of President Obama. Now, President Obama still came out ahead in his handling of foreign policy. He still came out uh, slightly ahead in approval ratings. He came out marginally ahead on the question of uh, who would um, create jobs better, although he did not do as well on who would handle the economy better. Uh, but what that tells you is this is likely to be a very, very close election, and it's probably going to turn on a series of economic indicators that neither candidate can control. Well, President Obama formally began his re-election campaign this past weekend, traveling to Illinois and Virginia. Let's talk about the meaning of that sort of in-person touch in a world of 24-7 campaigns. I think you found, Kerry, that uh, during uh, the campaign in 2008, what President Obama did best was reach out in person-to-person and in-person campaign events. And he came across as enormously likable, far more in touch with the electorate uh, than his opponent at the time, John McCain. Uh, During his presidency, it's been a little bit of the opposite of that. There has been this narrative of a president who is somewhat remote, uh, who does not connect as well with ordinary voters uh, as he did when he was a candidate. And I think uh, his effort right now is to sort of try to regain the magic of 2008. And on the campaign trail, he looks pretty good at doing that. Now, reconciling the president or the candidate Obama one saw in 2008 with the president Obama that one saw governing is a little bit difficult. But this is something he's very good at, this uh, this type of campaigning. And uh, it's something that, as we've learned along the way, Mitt Romney is, is having to learn. Thanks a lot, David. Thank you, Kerry. New York Times Chief Washington Correspondent David Sanger. I'm Kerry Nolan, and that's The Washington Report on Classical 105.9 FM, WQXR.